hello, welcome, 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 hello, glad you could join us, thanks for being here, welcome, hello, I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com, and we do this every Wednesday night, it's 7 p.m. Mountain Time, that's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged, or if you're really a flatlander, ginger coats, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thanks for being here, everybody. Um, got some cool stuff to talk with you about and after I do I'll give you the shipping report we'll talk about our giveaway keep you up to date on some some interesting things that have happened here and then we'll get to your questions and comments and just geek out about fish together so glad to be here with you all before I go too far though there was a chat here that I wanted to uh, say hello to Danny B Danny B says been lurking for a couple of years first time chatter hello all well Welcome to your first chat. <laughs> Thanks for lurking. Longtime listener, first time caller, as they used to say when radio was a thing. Anyway, glad you could be with us, Danny B. All right, let's get right to it. So our shipping report for this week is we are 98.79%, so 98.8% pretty much. Uh, success rate for shipping since February 1st of this year. That means that the fish arrived alive um, and that they stayed alive. We count both things, DOAs and what we call DOLs, died on laters. A DOL is when a fish arrives and you know when you get the fish and it's alive but it's like, eh, it doesn't look quite right and then a few days later it passes on. We count that as well, not just our, not just our arrive alive. If we counted our arrive alive, it's a we would have about 50% better of a percentage, but we count both of those numbers. So the issues we had since I last talked to you last Wednesday were oddly two Manakapuru redback angelfish um, arrived shaky and then you know, passed away shortly after arrival, which is strange because our, our group's been doing awesome. So I'm not sure what happened in shipping there, but it probably was something that happened during shipping because they arrived and the customer was like, uh, not quite right. So sorry to that customer. We did lose one swordtail kerosene or swordtail tetra, one of the coolest ones out there. I love that fish. So sorry to that customer. And then one that is a little bit puzzling is some Melanotania bosmani from Atinjo. There's a customer that bought seven of them. Uh, they arrived on the 8th, and then they lost one on the 12th, and they've lost, every few days, they've lost another one. I'm not sure what's going on there. I want to apologize to that customer. I don't think that one's on our end. Of course, we'll, we'll you know, help the customer out and resend or refund or whatever we need to do. Johnny's on it. But... The reason I'm pretty confident that the fish are still good is because we ordered, I believe we got 98 of those in, and I checked the record. We keep very careful track of all the fish that we lose. We lost one right when they were imported out of 98. Of that, we've had those 97. No problems at all, rock solid for us, and no problems for anyone else that we've shipped to. So I think that either something happened in shipping that really stressed them out. They got way too hot or way too cold or something like that. Although this time of year, eh, temperature's pretty mild. But 
could be that something happened during shipping that stressed them so bad that uh, they succumbed later. Or maybe there's something going on in the customer's aquarium and we don't know what it is and they don't know what it is, but something's happening that the Atinjas don't like. But I did want to mention that that happened, even though they didn't, none of them passed away until they had had them for quite a while. But, uh, but we like to be totally transparent. So that is what's going on as far as the shipment report. Not as good as it could be, but again, we have to look at the, the whole statistical data set. And of that, for the year, 98.79% of the fish that we have sent out this year have arrived alive and thrived for our customers, according to our customer report. So that's what's going on with the shipment report. If you had a problem that you reported that I failed to mention, feel free to call me out here in the chat. But uh, as far as I know, that's, that's where we're at. Now let's move to something fun. Shipping reports uh, can be a bit of a downer. Let's start every stream talking about dead fish, right? <laughs> what a plan for success, I guess. But we want to be transparent. We want you guys to know what's going on with, that we're doing what we claim to do, basically. We, we make big claims and we want you to know that they're actually happening. But let's get to the giveaway. This is a really cool little fish. So we all know the Harlequin Rasboras or, or pork chop Rasboras. This is another flavor of those. And they're also called the Glow Light Rasbora because of the bright glowing orangish yellow right above the pork chop that they have. The, I think this is a good picture here. This shows it really accurately. You have the black and you have that glowing copper color on top of it. This one, I'm like, yeah, maybe there was a little saturation added to that. This is good too, though. That nice glowing copper, and it really does glow kind of like a any type of glow light fish. So the giveaway today is for a group of these. I believe we can send you probably six in the box. They are a, a little nano fish. They're not gonna get much over, I don't know, maybe around an inch. I'd have to look at the exact size, but call it an inch, give or take a bit. They're very peaceful, just like a Harlequin or Porkchop Rasbora. Great fish to be a dither for an Episto or a wild type Betta or something like that. A Corydoras, something that needs uh, some friends to feel comfortable. They've been great for us. They've been rock solid. I think they'll thrive for you. So if you would like to be entered to win a group of, I think six of these is what we can send in, in the box, then enter hashtag copper. <laughs> hashtag C-O-P-P-E-R. No spaces, caps don't matter. And you will be entered to win a uh, that giveaway later on tonight at some point. Sometimes we wait till the end. Sometimes we do it fairly early on to reward folks that don't just come at the end hoping to win. We're on to you. We're on to you last minute enterers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it looks like folks have it. Hashtag copper looks good to me. Alexander Engelhart, thank you so much for the generous super chat. I have been Engelharted and I love it. Thank you so much. By the way, I should say thank you for my wife. She loves it when money falls out of the computer screen. Always appreciated, never required, but your continued support is absolutely appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Okay, story time. Are you all sitting comfortably? Good, then I'll begin. So we went, I, I found, maybe I should have written the second draft before I started this story. <laughs> Getting off to a clunky start here. So it's been a challenge finding a supplier from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. There's a lot of really neat fish there. For decades, there was civil war and strife, and it was just a basically an armed zone, a conflict zone that we couldn't get into. So lots of fish that used to be in the hobby no longer were because there was not access to them and they weren't being bred in aquariums. So for a long time, we couldn't get a lot of fish. That's why the Congo spotted puffer was so expensive for so long. It's still pricey, it's still hard to get, but it's the Congo recently, the last several years has opened up kind of gradually. I had a supplier there but then COVID came and that supplier disappeared. They're, they completely disappeared out of the trades. So couldn't get any fish. Recently, I'd become aware of another supplier, another couple suppliers, and I tried one. So this uh, Monday, we got a bunch of fish from the Congo, brought them in. They're getting settled. It's gonna take quite a while for these to be ready to go. They're going to need a lot of TLC, unfortunately. But we were able to get them in. And the reason I did this deal is because this supplier was willing to wait till after I had received the fish to take payment. Most suppliers require upfront payment before they even go source the fish. And you might be sitting there for a month or two. The money's out of your account and you're just crossing your fingers hoping that you're not helping like, you know, the depossessed prince of Nigeria or something. It's, it's a little bit sketchy place to do business. So it was very reassuring when the supplier was like, you don't have to pay anything until you receive the fish. I was like, okay, then this guy's not gonna steal my money, but we can do this. So we did that and I went yesterday, I sent instructions to my bank to wire this gentleman his money because we'd received the fish and it was very generous and accommodating of him to not require payment until I got the fish. So I wanted to get him his money right away. And then the bank called today and they're like, um, we can't send the fish because the, the, this, this country is under sanction. I was like, what? I hadn't even thought of that. Like, didn't even cross my mind. Like, yeah, we can't wire any money to that country. It's been, it's been sanctioned. It's like North Korea or something. And I was like, oh, great. So emailed the gentleman and was like, I am so sorry, but here's the email I just got from my bank. I can't send you the money. How do we do this? Luckily, though, Random Arms uh, knows a lot about banking. He's, he's had a career in that area. And so he was like, no, nah, this doesn't smell right. So he did some digging in found some information, sent it to my bank, and the bank looked into it and they're like, oh, you're right. There's individuals in that country that are sanctioned and there's organizations in that country that are sanctioned, but the country at large is not sanctioned, so we can wire the money. So it looks like I'll be able to actually send this gentleman who's been patiently waiting his payment tomorrow. But that was quite a, a shock to be like, something I, just not even on my radar to think about. Am I importing fish from a country that's been sanctioned? 
I didn't think of it. I'm like, I know there's flights coming from there. I know there's trade going back and forth and things. So I had no idea that it might be that type of situation. Luckily, it wasn't. The bank was just a little confused. But, uh, but for a while there, I was like, are, are they going to, is some organiz, law enforcement organization going to be coming over being like, hey, why are you sending money to the Democratic Republic of the Congo? What's up, Dan? Hmm? So it all got sorted out, though. But yeah, I was living on the edge for a while there. <laughs> but it's going to work out. Another thing that's happening is we've been waiting on CITES permits uh, for, a, for a long time to bring in some L46 Zebra Plecos. And so the guesstimate from the government we're working with that needs to issue those permits was that they would be ready uh, end of October, somewhere around there. So there's a shipment that I did not think would arrive till then and a bunch of fish that I did not think would be ready till mid-November that are going to be ready faster. So I received uh, a contact from my supplier a couple days ago that said, hey, I got the CITES permit. Here it is. It was like, wow, that was fast. So it looks like those fish are going to arrive in the next week and a half or so. Now, the flight still isn't confirmed. And I know that it feels in a lot of parts of the world that like the impact of COVID is kind of gone, but not in cargo. There's still... I think when I was at the Triple Crown, um, there, were, there was a presentation given where some stats were given on this. About one-third the normal flight traffic is happening right now. Cargo goes on flights. It goes with passengers. That's how it happens. You're flying somewhere, there's a bunch of cargo under you in the cargo hold, along with the luggage and stuff. Well, probably in a different hold. I don't know the details. but. Anyway, the point is, if passengers don't fly as often, there's a lot less flights for cargo to go on. Right now, we're at about a third the normal capacity, about a third of the capacity that we were at before COVID. What that means is that there's a lot less flights available and it's harder to get cargo space. So it's possible now, but it's a lot harder. So we still haven't got the, the confirmed thing Basically, you have to bid on the space and hope that your bid's high enough that you get it, but not so high that you go out of business. It's kind of a, it's kind of a rough deal. So anyway, that's where we're at with that. It looks like it's all going to happen. It looks like we'll probably have that order a month sooner than we thought, which is awesome. So we're working on freeing up tanks to accommodate that order right now, which, uh, which is a bit of a challenge because we were not expecting all those fish <laughs> for another you know six weeks but but here we are but that's good news right we're getting these fish a lot quicker so i'm pretty excited about that kelly foreman throwing down a super chat thank you so much kelly random arms saves the day yes random arms has a habit of saving the, the day he's he's an amazing guy to work with that's for sure hey you're in the chat thank you random arms <laughs> saves our bacon on the daily sometimes multiple times a day Okay, with that, let's get to your questions and comments. Let's open up the chat. I want to thank my moderators for what they're about to go through. <laughs> they work really hard every week to make sure that the chat goes smoothly, to 
delete all the porn bots and other inappropriate things. We really do try here to make this a, uh, a channel appropriate for all ages. I want young folks who are interested in fish to be able to participate and for their parents to be comfortable with them participating. So we do try to keep that tone here. I just remember as a 13 year old kid, I would have, I would have given my left arm for this kind of thing. Every week to get in with a bunch of fish nerds and, and geek out, I, I would have loved that. And it would have been so sad if I found a group and then my parents were like, um, no, there's a lot of swearing and a lot of, you know, I don't know, sexual comments and stuff and, and told me I couldn't participate. So let's, let's keep that in mind and let's keep that in mind as we chat and uh, make the mods job easy. But thank you, moderators, for doing what you do. So right now I'm going to scroll up. And I'm going to look for these bright orange boxes. That's what I respond to. If you would like to become a bright orange box, then all you have to do is type at symbol Dan's fish, select Dan's fish when it populates and your box will be bright orange. Now I understand there's some devices that doesn't work on, but we got We can only do what we can do. One day, maybe YouTube will fix that error. Fish and shrimp by rich. Beats fish and shrimp by poor. What do you feed your yellow swordtail guppies? If you're talking about, I think you're talking about the Japan blue and gold. Let's see here. Let's take a little field trip. I think you're talking about these. And if that's the case, we feed them everything. A, a huge wide variety and they eat it all. They are not picky. So the foods that are in our rotation right now, and we switch this up frequently, our philosophy is feed a wide variety of foods uh, and instead of sticking with, with <laughs> tetracolor granules. Sorry, LRB, I love you, buddy. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me. So right now in the rotation are baby brine shrimp, Zoo Med Spirulina Flakes. I think it's the Spirulina 20 or something is the brand. Extreme Bottom Scratcher, Extreme Krill Flakes, Extreme Nano Pellets, Hikari Massivore Delight. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple others. So we just try to give a wide variety. Some of those are protein heavy. Some of those have a lot of veggie matter in the diet and we just rotate through. So this is a fish that, in my experience, will pretty much eat whatever you feed it. All Things Fish, thanks for the chance at Dan's Fish. I hope all is well. It is. It's going awesome. And good to hear from you, Michael. Hope you're doing good. Hashtag three times equals world peace. Hashtag breeding is pleasure. Hashtag no more professor. Hashtag galazzo. That's how you know All Things Fish has been around for a while. Those all the old OG hashtags. <laughs> Orange cones. Was that story time beginning from hackers? Yes. <laughs> Howdy, orange cones. I hope you're doing well. Good to hear from you. Paul Soltero. Now that's what I call insurance. Yeah. It was the only way I was going to do it. When, if I'm dealing with West Africa, I'm, I know from long experience that sometimes uh, that part of the world is difficult to deal with as far as you send money, you might not ever see the fish. So 
first time with a new supplier, I'm, I'm not going to risk it. I'm, I mean, I would do an escrow account or something like that. That's, you know, because that protects them as well. But yeah, it, it worked out well. The payment worked out well. The fish I'm, fish I'm disappointed in, to tell you the truth. Several of them look good, but I always, you know, focus on the problems, I guess. There's several that look like they were collected quite a while ago and just have not eaten. They're all head. It's going to take me a month to get a lot of them up and healthy and ready to sell. So we'll give them the TLC and we'll get them there before we ever list them. But And, and these fish are not cheap, by the way. So you spend that much and you kind of expect the person sending them to you to take a little pride in what they're doing. So it's a little disappointing. But again, not all of them are like that. Apostle Tarot, covert funds transfer specialists. Yeah, the, I mean, there are stories, though. Like, I, I know of people that used to deal with fish from South America and were approached by very large drug cartels saying, hey, we want you to ship these with your fish. There's, there's all kinds of shady stuff that can happen in any business. Nick, hey, thanks for the great live streams. I've been wanting to ask you, all right? I run a well, but my water is extraordinarily hard, 500 plus ppm, specifically high in iron and calcium. What should I do, thanks? Well, I don't know, Nick. Um, I've said um. Probably said it lots of times today. Try not to say um all the time. I was editing a video today. I'm trying to get another video out this week, and I was like realizing how often I say um. It kind of annoyed me. Most of the... This is... Okay, I've been keeping fish for about 30 years. And only once have I ever lived in a place with soft water. Other than that, I've lived in places with really hard water. A lot of calcium carbonate, uh, some high iron. In LA, just high yuck. All kinds of weird stuff in that water. And it was never a problem. I don't think that calcium is a problem. And if we're talking 500 ppm, if you're talking TDS, that's hard for me to respond to because I don't know how much of the 500 ppm is iron versus calcium versus all the other stuff that's in your water. So basically what's that, what that is measuring is any solid that's in the water. It could be any mineral, it could be sediment, could be lots of things, particulates, anything that is a solid that is in your water. So it doesn't tell me a whole lot, but high calcium I don't think is a problem, except for it's gonna be kind of annoying. It might you know, create a big bathtub ring around your tank at the water line that you'll have to kind of constantly scrub. But as far as fish health goes, not knowing exactly what that breakdown is of the 500 ppm, my water here is super hard. It's 300 ppm calcium carbonate, not to mention the other stuff. And the fish love it. Now iron, I've never looked into much. I've never had really high iron. And when you say high iron, I don't know how high. Is it staining everything red? I don't know if high iron is a problem. I know iron is actually probably good for the fish. I don't know at what point it could become a problem. So I can't help you there. But calcium carbonate, can be really high. Fish don't mind minerals in the water. 
it's a lot easier to take a fish from soft water and put it into hard water and have it be okay because that doesn't create osmotic stress on the fish versus take a fish from hard water, put it in soft water. That can be a big problem pretty quick. So I think you're actually in okay shape, but I don't know the actual breakdown. All I know is you have 500 plus PPM and I'm imagining that's TDS. So that, that's the best thoughts I have on that. Sorry, I couldn't be more help. If anyone here knows about iron uh, and if it's a, at what point it could maybe be a problem for fish, uh, please chime in and, and help us, help us help Nick out. It's not something I've had to dig into because I've never had high enough iron to have to worry about it. Orange cones. <clears throat> wow, my voice. I kind of have a sore throat today, so sorry if it, it sounds like sandpaper. It feels like sandpaper. Ethan Foster, it's good to hear from you, my friend. I hope you're doing well. If you live in the... Well, I don't know if you want me to tell folks where you live, but... Uh, or what you do. I was going to say, if you're looking for someone that does what Ethan does in the area in which Ethan lives, <laughs> I was going to say look him up, but that might be too much personal information, so I won't. Hi, Dan. I'm having some trouble with mouth fungus on the last two groups of rainbows I got, okay? I've treated with EM, erythromycin, Genericure, Ick, and, and, the, and Ick X, like I always do with new fish. It came back. What would be your next step? I don't know. Normally, my, my step is I just give them time and, and clean water. That typically does it. If it went away and then reappeared, usually that comes from a trauma to the mouth. Do you notice when you first turn on the lights, do they like rush around? Because when they do that, they're not too bright. They can ram into the glass and bump their mouth. They can run into, you know, decor, decor, <laughs> decor, <laughs> decor, and, and damage themselves. Is there anything startling them so they dart around and maybe damage themselves? If there is, I would remove that stressor and then just give them, make sure they have nice clean water and give them time. But if it's really bad, like I don't know how much we're talking about. Are we talking about the, the typical little shipping rub that, that rainbow fish get? Are we talking about like the whole mouth is like white and gross and fungusy? Not sure. But I'm going to imagine it's the typical thing. And for me, it's just clean water and time and patience. It just takes some time. But Ethan, I might be wrong. Maybe it's, I mean, I don't, I only know what, what's written here. I, I'm not there. I can't see the fish. If it's a serious thing and it went away, but then it came back as soon as you stopped treating, then it might be good to continue the treatment. And there's a difference between fungus and bacteria, obviously. If it's if it's fungus, maybe a round of ICX would help. If it's uh, bacterial and the erythromycin worked before, then maybe I would try more of that. But unless it's really bad, then my guess is clean water. And also, how long did you treat for? If you did, if you just put the medicines in and let them sit for a week, that might not be sufficient. Uh, that's 
not actually how those medicines are, are manufactured to be used. So it might be something where you need to do actually like a week to 10 days of treatment and do water changes and replenish the medication each day. So I would only do that though if it was a really serious thing, otherwise I'd give it clean water in time. Not a veterinarian, don't really know, but that's what I would probably do if this fish was in my possession. Just one hobbyist to another. And Ethan, I, I wish I could help you more. Orange cones. So you have a name of someone already there to be hired at the warehouse? I'm not sure which comment that refers to. Um, that was too far back. I, I don't, I'm, sh I'm sure it was very witty at the time, but my brain can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> The fish guy five, did you get the red Congo Tetras? Um, I'm not gonna go over fish guy, what, what we got from the Congo yet. I wanna make sure everyone's doing okay before I do that. So it'll be next week or maybe even the week after because some of them are gonna take some real, some real recovery time. I don't wanna get people's hopes up and then, well, it sounds like I already did get your hopes up, sorry. <laughs> but I don't wanna get people's hopes up Oh, I just, is my mic super hot? Do I sound okay, folks? My mic is peeking in the red. I want to make sure I don't need to turn it down. Um, so I got distracted. I don't want to get folks, people's hopes up and then have it be like, oh, that fish isn't going to recover. Let me scroll down here real quick. I want to make sure that sounds good. Okay, thanks, guys. Next one I can see is... Let's see here, I want to make sure I got them all. Danny B, welcome to the wonderful world of actually participating in a live stream and not just lurking. Although, hail the lurker nation, I, I get it, I'm usually there. Last fish from an old rainbow school, would he be happier to be alone in his own tank or put in a tank with a separate species? Now that's a good question. I honestly, okay, so rainbow fish, do cue off each other and, and fire up a lot and interact a lot and are more colorful with more of their species. But if this is a really old dog that's been around forever and has just outlasted everyone else, you might not mind being alone. Like I've, I've seen rainbow fish and kept rainbow fish as individuals and they seem to be perfectly happy. Maybe they didn't color up as much and stuff because there was no one to be territorial with or to entice to breed. But I did not notice any, any stress on the animal. So, I don't know. If, if this is an old dog that just wants to sleep all day, <laughs> maybe I'd leave him alone. Don't quite know the situation. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, good to hear from you. Have you ever seen the zebra red-eye puffer in the hobby? Salvatore, Carino Tetraodon Salvatore. Salivator, not salivatory. Salivator? <laughs> like drooling at the mouth? <laughs> wow, that's quite the name. They're the next project along with the eventual spotted Congo puffers. Let's see here. I don't know if I know this fish. So let's take a quick field trip together and get to know it. Oh no, I've, I've never seen this one on the list. Although I can't say that for sure. Wow, that is cool. I like the striations on that. That's a neat fish. I can't say that for sure because so often 
when puffers are listed, the correct name is not on the list. So maybe there's some out there that are just listed wrong. But I've never seen that one in person, no. But did you get some? If so, I hope you breed them. That's a cool looking, cool looking puffer for sure. A bunchy paints. My mom told me I can't have a breeding his pleasure shirt. <laughs> Ginger Coats, will you be getting any more chocolate garamis anytime soon? I don't think I have any on order at the moment, but they are something I could bring in. Del Cantrell, if I make a purchase now, could you box it live? No, um, it's, it's not, like if you ordered now, I wouldn't box it now. It takes us a few days actually to get the fish in, in, uh, in condition to ship. It's, a, it's at least, well, we have to get them all healthy and stuff, but once they're ready to sell, it's at least a two day process to get them properly prepared for shipping and packed up and stuff. So it's not something I can just, I think people have this impression, I don't know if you do, like I'm just going off the comment here and just riffing, but people seem to have the impression that if they order a fish, you just go grab it, throw it in a box and ship it. And it's, you can, but the odds of it getting there in good shape are not good if you do it that way. So it's a whole process. That being said, Del, there are tons of videos and tons of footage of us preparing fish for shipping, shipping fish, just working around vlog type stuff. And there's another one coming out this week where I think there's a little footage of that happening. Spoiled Sushi, P.U. <laughs> Such a great name, but it makes my nose like ugh, crinkle. Can I keep a red-tailed red-eye puffer with a group of pea puffers or will the larger one eat the peas? I don't know that much about that fish. I've only had it once, and what I discovered was they were vicious to each other. So I can just imagine that they'd probably be vicious to pea puffers as well. So I, I don't think I would ever put another species, mixed species of puffers. I don't think that's something I'd be willing to try. Now, if you want to try it, you, I mean, they're your fish, but I, I think that would be a bloodbath. Garrett Godot. Do you have any sexable spotted Congo puffers in your latest shipment? Just wondering if it is worth waiting. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to sex that fish even if it was full grown. So, yeah, they're not something that we're going to be able to sex. Now, if you saw them and you know how to do it, you might be like, oh, yeah, you got a male there and female there, easy. But it's not something that, that I'm going to be doing. It's not a fish I'm willing to take the gamble on of sending the wrong sex to someone. They're so expensive. And I don't know that much about them to confidently do it. Garrett Family Aquatics, how big do the we weapons, red laser rainbows get the weapons? <laughs> and what, is their care, what are their care requirements? Thinking about ordering a group from you. If you're talking about the Wapoga, I think you got autocorrected. The Wapoga red laser rainbows, they're a smaller fish. They're going to get around, I want to say around three inches is the biggest I've seen them. Yeah, I don't, maybe 3.5. 
but they're they're very closely related to the neon dwarf rainbow. So maybe a little bit bigger than those, but not much. And care requirements, they're as easy as a neon dwarf rainbow fish, as Melanotania praecox. Same care. In fact, the same care as any Melanotania. Really easy to feed, really easy to care for. Uh, not, a, not a problem fish at all. Curl Kitty 8 what fish do you keep in your home? Right, <clears throat> man, my voice. In your home. Right now, all the fish from the home are here in the warehouse. Um, I said um again. Smack. I work such long days here that the fish get better care when they're here than they do at my house. I still have a 125 and a 100 gallon at the house. There's plants in those, and there's some shrimp in those, just kind of keeping things maintained, keeping algae down and such, but nothing much at home right now. Alishan AS, or is it Alishan? I can go with Alishan. Bring in Fantastique or the Super Red Brichardi Tetras. Uh, I'll let you know next week or the week after what we, what we're going on, what's going on with that order. All things fish. Since moving to the new building, do you still use the same quarantine and medication routine as you did in the basement? Could be a lot more work at such a large scale. We don't mind the work. We, geez, we don't do anything easy. Our, our entire mission is what's best for the fish, and we just do that. So there's a lot of work that we do that uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. So the work isn't uh, a deterrent at all, but we have changed how we do things. It depends on the fish. It depends on the supplier. Some suppliers, some fish, for example, lie bearers, we do a whole routine. We do levamisole, we do ICX, we do uh, flubendazole. And, excuse me, and if there's still a question, then we do canamycin nitrofurazone. And if there's still a question, then, then we customize from there. So there are certain fish and certain suppliers that we go through a whole medication procedure with. But not as much as we used to. The theory being that the best thing for fish is fresh, clean water. And that's why we built this warehouse. Constant flow through. Each aquarium gets, uh, I don't know, 12 to 20, 100% water changes every day. Every hour or two, it gets a... Uh, every, I'd have to time it again. We adjust flows occasionally. So I don't know where we're at right now. But I would say every two hours, let's say, maybe every hour, a tank gets 100% water change. The theory being that fresh clean water is the best thing for stressed fish especially if it's hard water like ours it's got plenty of electrolytes plenty of minerals we aren't dealing with a lot of osmotic stress well we are but we're curing it with our hard water so that's the theory so for a lot of our fish we put them in there and we observe and unless there's some kind of issue then we don't treat them we just let the hard, the clean nice hard water take care of them and help them recover. Usually the reason to medicate on new imports is a, it's a prophylactic thing. You're trying to give the fish a fighting trans, chance to recover from the stress of shipping. 
So that's different than a fish that obviously has an issue and you need to take some action on. What we're finding is that in general, clean fresh water is, is great at helping fish recover from the stress of shipping and, and be fine. So that's, that's what we're doing. It's a mix of both those things. Fish and shrimp by Rich. Thank you. The right fish, I will try some other food. If they won't eat anything else for some reason, they're, they're voracious eaters. Well, okay, if they just arrived, they might take a couple days to start feeding. But if, if they're acting normal in the tank and seem comfortable and everything and they're not eating, that's a little strange. Uh, if they won't eat anything else, the baby brine shrimp, for sure, they will, they will eat. Alter Ego Aquatics. Oh, <laughs> looks like Johnny let the cat out of the bag. We got Fantastic and a few red variants. Yes, we did. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to get him healthy before I get people's hopes up. Yeah. Yeah. This is. This might be opening this order and unpacking it. Might have been the most discouraging experience I've had with an order in this sense there's been plenty of times when fish have been as i'm finding good suppliers and trying new ones and stuff where fish have been sent to me and the fish were probably in great shape when they were shipped but they were shipped incorrectly packed too densely it didn't have proper insulation didn't the water wasn't their intestinal tract wasn't cleared out before they were shipped you know all those things that can um make shipping a fish problematic so there's been lots of times when that's happened these fish were shipped perfectly the water was generally really clean and clear they were not crowded or overpacked or anything like that the issue is they just sent us fish that weren't they packed well but the fish they sent hadn't eaten in way too long they just were not robust healthy fat sassy fish so it was kind of gut-wrenching to be not gut-wrenching it was I don't know, disconcerting to open the box and be like, these are packed perfectly, the water's clear, yay, and then, and then lift up bags of fish and be like, why would they send that? You know, why wouldn't they feed the fish? So it's one of those situations where we've got a lot of work to, to do to get them, and a lot of time, oh, jeez. Time and money, <laughs> like, it's, yeah. But, you know, you try new suppliers, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. The supplier emailed and was like, how did they arrive? Uh, do you have any thoughts of how we could do better? And I was like, yeah, I have some thoughts. And showed them pictures of the totally emaciated fish and was like, why would you send that? <laughs> That's my main thought. And, you know, kind of went off on them a bit. But I, I don't know if we'll ever use this supplier again. Sometimes you deal with a the supplier, they send a shipment, it's not good you uh, have a discussion with them and tell them what your expectations are and explain how you want things done and that you'll try them one more time and if they don't do that you will never ever do business with them again and you will encourage all your friends in the industry that also import you'll share your experience with those friends when they ask you and say yeah I wouldn't buy from that guy right so sometimes you can do that 
and the next shipment is much better and you can kind of train or, or help the supplier uh, to rise to your standards so we've we've had to do that a few times so but on the other side it's like I don't know if I want to deal with a person that would send me fish in that condition. Like, why would you just, why? Why would you ever think that that was okay? Don't you have any pride at all in what you're doing? <laughs> like, so it's one of those things. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to handle it in the future. But right now I'm like, nah, I'm not dealing with that person again. Okay, got on a rant, sorry. Alter Ego Aquatics, I have a 125 tank in the lobby of my new business location that I haven't set up yet. That's a beautiful size tank. Six feet, mm, you can do a lot in that. Wanting to do heavy planting with schools of small fish, what would you put in? So, if, if the plants are the focus, I would go to these two schools of thought here. And I'm not like a planted tank guy, but I know what I like. One school of thought is go with, well, first thing I would do is I would get large schools of one or two types of fish. I wouldn't be like, I'm gonna take one of those and one of those and one of those. If I did, for example, I wouldn't get like five chili rasbors and a couple pencil fish and six of these and eight of those. If I was doing chili rasbors in a tank like that, I would do a school of, uh, depending on your maintenance, two to four hundred depending on how you maintain it and, and that might be all I had in that tank maybe some autosynclus and some shrimp and some maintenance going on but so that's my first thought it's and this is all up to taste right but I like a large school of a single species much better than the onesies and twosies and what I've found over the years is the fish I think like it better too not all fish, but fish that like to be in groups like to be in big groups, closer to what they're like in nature. And there's different behaviors, different colors, a whole different... The fish just acts in a completely different way, which I think is manifesting that it's more comfortable or, or there's more for it to interact with or something. So that's the first thing I would do. Then, then we get into which fish to put in. So lots... If you're doing small fish in a big tank, I would do lots of one or maybe two species, something like that. The next part is, do you want the focus to be on the plants or are you okay with the fish being part of the focus? If you want the focus to be on the plants, then I would pick uh, a species that isn't super brightly colored, stays small, and schools together pretty well. Something like maybe exclamation point rasboras. Something like... There's a lot of tiny little rasboras that aren't really colorful but add life to a tank and wouldn't seal focus from the plants. But I like colorful fish in a nicely planted tank. So I would probably do something like a big school of glow light danios, a big school of those copper uh, rasboras that we're giving away tonight, a big school of those would be awesome. A big school of chili rasboras would be beautiful. A big school of celestial pearl danios, a huge school of like threadfin rainbow fish would be stunning. That would be amazing. That might be my first choice of everything I've thought about so far answering this question. Kubatai rasboras, that's the neon green rasbore, would look awesome. A big school of Alampi killifish would be great. So, 
if I had to like choose right now with only having a couple minutes to think about it, I think what I would do is a big school of pygmy hatchet fish on top, a school of threadfin rainbow fish in the middle, and then a big school of probably a miniature corridor on the bottom, pygmaeus or you know histatus or herbrosus, something like that. That's probably what I would do, and I'd probably throw some, some shrimp in there as well. And for algae, I'd probably do some autosynclus, something in that vein. Sounds like an exciting aquarium, though. Paul Soltero, how are those rads settling in? The rads are a rad. The rads are doing awesome. I mean, I, I got them from uh, Marcel, who is an amazing breeder, probably the foremost authority in the United States on radnocentris. He literally went to Australia and collected the parents of the fish we have. So the fish that we have are F1s from fish that Marcel collected, and here they are. Tiwa, the Tiwa Creek. This is the father of the fish that we have for sale. And this is a wild fish that Marcel got in Australia, around Brisbane, Australia, in Tiwa Creek. And the babies are doing fantastic. They're a 0.75 inches to an inch, so they're not really big yet. But at that size, they ship really well. And they're really fat. They've, they've been doing fantastic. The fish from Marcel do great. Kelly Foreman throwing down five gifted memberships. Kelly, thank you so much for your continued support. That's amazing. That's awesome. And congrats to the lucky folks who won. I'm sure they've already been given away and I missed it, but congrats if you're a new member, a la Kelly Foreman. Ethan Foster, oh, throw down another super chat. Ethan, thank you so much. One day soon, my friend, still under a non-compete. <laughs> you could be right there. They're still in a quarantine tank. I think I'll move them to a permanent breeding tank and continue with water changes every other day. Appreciate you as always. Appreciate you too. And yeah, if they're still in a quarantine tank, maybe getting them more settled in a permanent tank, which is generally a more comfortable place to live, would would be fine for helping the mouse stuff go away. That, that would be my move if they're looking like what I think they're looking like. Uh, something else we got is, for, for the bowheads, we also got Centeniensis. Centeniensis. And these, these I'm sure are the real ones. You can count the dorsal rays, has the correct number of dorsal rays. The, the second dorsal is compact, just like it should be. The face is long and pointy. The color is right. And the broodstock came from Johannes Graf who literally wrote the comparison between Chilotherina centeniensis and uh, Chilotherina fasciatus, fasciata, fasciatus, fasciata? Yeah, from Lake Centani. And has been to Lake Centani to collect that fish. Unfortunately, when he went, the habitat was already destroyed. So here's how the Centeni rainbow fish came to be, the Centeniensis. So in the Lake Centeni itself, there's a bunch of Chilotherina fasciata. Ah, that's gonna bug me. Fasciata or fasciatas? Chilotherina, hang on. Fasciata, jeez, I don't know why I couldn't remember that. In the lake proper, you have fasciata. 
it appears from my... I was able to discuss this in depth with Johannes Graf when he was at the Triple Crown in Louisville. And he and Gary Lang and all the other folks that they're aware of that have gone to collect Centeniensis have not found that fish in the lake proper. Where they found it is in a little creek up above the lake and there's a waterfall. So the, the Fasciatus can't get to the Centeniensis. If they did, there would be hybridization. That species never would have differentiated. But they've been separated from Fasciatus by a waterfall in this, this one little creek system. They were isolated, they differentiated, they became Centeniensis. However, there's a bunch of illegal gold mining that has taken root right at that site, right upstream, or yeah, right upstream from that habitat. And when Johannes went there, he told me it was just toxic. It was just nothing could live there. It was like yellow sludge, the water. So they're gone. And actually, I need to make sure I have this story right. I can't remember at this time if Johanna said he went personally. I think he did. Or if he had a friend that went because he couldn't go because if you go to illegal mining sites, you could get shot. I think what happened was he had a friend that knew the folks and went with the friend. But either way, he saw it personally or it was reported when his friend went up for him uh, that that habitat was just shot. And I, I, I just don't want to spread misinformation, whether he was the one or his friend was the one. But anyway, they're gone from the wild. They're, unfortunately. And that, that's usually the case with extinct fish in the wild in freshwater environments. It's usually the habitats destroyed is what does it. It's very rarely that it's the aquarium trade that's at fault. In fact, oh, there was a sign I saw, a picture of a sign at a zoo that was talking about Melanotania bosmani. It was talking about how it's endangered in the wild and it, and the sign said that the reason was because it had been so over collected for the aquarium trade. Ugh. I wanted to like find who wrote that sign and be like, okay, give me your information. Where did you get that from? Because I'm here to tell you, Melanotania bosmani is not collected for the aquarium trade from the wild in any kind of regular way, in any kind of large numbers. I have all those lists, and no one is collecting large numbers of that fish from the wild. A couple times a year, a supplier or two might get a few fish from the wild, a few bosmanis from the wild, and offer them for sale. A couple times a year, a, a few fish. But the millions of fish in the trade are all bred on fish farms. They are not being collected from the wild in any kind of number. Like, you could probably fit the number that are collected from the wild like in the, in the, back, in the back of your car. It's not at all the reason. It, it just, as a guy that makes a living doing this, and tries to do it responsibly. And I don't know everything. There was a question asked about pea puffers last week that I still haven't been able to dig into. Uh, had to take a road trip to pick up an import and all that. There, there was a lot to do. I, but I plan to, to get to that. But as a guy that does this for a living and strives to do it responsibly, 
it really bothers me when when a zoo for crying out loud just disperses misinformation because that's a fun that's a story that you can tell and people will like latch onto it right it's really easy to feel righteous when you're like yeah this fish is endangered and don't when you buy them from stores make sure you ask if it's wild caught or whatever because the aquarium trade is decimating the populations no it's not no it is not anyway really bothers me <laughs> i'm ranty tonight maybe it's my sore throat i'm feeling a little ornery <laughs> mm. i mean i'm not gonna go all michael's fish room on you but Feeling a little ornery. T-Shot. After, se after several months of conditioning and failed spawning attempts, eggs being eaten by my orange flash apistos and Hongsloyai apistos, they produce some babies. Super pumped. Breeding is pleasure. Yes, it is. Congratulations. That's the best. When you've been trying for a long time and, and finally it happens and you're successful, like vale la pena, right? It's, it's worth all the pain. Uh all the work and, and everything. Congratulations, that's amazing. Well, Punchy Paints, now you have to get a Breeding is Pleasure shirt. T-Shot, bread is a Pistos. Mr. Guy, why? Why not? Do you know anything on mixing tadpole shrimp and clam shrimp with fish? No, I, I know nothing about either of those species. Um, I've been thinking of keeping them but don't have space and not sure if they'll do well with my shrimp or rice fish. Yeah, Mr. Y guy, or Mr. Guy Y. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know what a tadpole shrimp is or a clam shrimp. I'm not a shrimp expert by any means. But if anyone here knows and can help Mr. Guy Y out, please chime in and, and let's, help, let's help out. The Outdoor O-Men what is the risk of keeping aquarium temp at 86 for two plus weeks, long lasting ick, I'm slowly winning the battle on? It depends on the species. It depends on what in the tank is utilizing oxygen. The big danger at 86 degrees is that there won't be enough oxygen saturated in the water and fish will actually start having issues because they're not getting enough O2. So that's something that can happen. What happens when you raise the temperature is all the microbes in the aquarium, whether they're bacteria or protozoans or whatever, little tiny worms and stuff, their life cycle goes a lot faster and they, just, they can boom in population. So not only is 86 degree water not able to hold as much oxygen as cooler water, but there's more stuff in the water sucking that oxygen up and utilizing it. So that can be a problem. So even if the temperature itself wouldn't overwhelm the fish, sometimes that combined with low oxygen saturation will. So that's something to be aware of. I would only try raising the temperature, uh, depending on the species you have and how you have things set up, but generally I'd only try doing that if the tank was really clean. Uh, if you have like mulm around or the gravel hasn't been vacuumed in a while and there's a lot of like organic stuff in there, that can decay and feed populations of bacteria and protozoans and such when the temperature is raised, 
you could have a problem. So that's something I'd be aware of. Make sure your filters are in good order, not clogged with a bunch of gunk before you, before you tried that. So that's, that to me is the main risk. Ethan Foster, again, Ethan, thanks for all the super chats tonight. Always appreciated, but it's never required. I like, you've done your duty. <laughs> no more super chats, just, just, just chat. I'll, I'll, mods, if Ethan leaves another question, bring it to my attention, please. I don't want him to have to spend any more money tonight. Uh, about to set up a rack of 60 breeders, awesome. Have you used any yet? I've never been a fan of Aquion, but going to give them a try. Yeah, um, I, everything that's old is new again. 60 breeders was the size, a size that I used to use regularly back when I was in college. I love them. Four feet long, 18 inches front to back, and just not as tall as a 75. They're an amazing aquarium. They do have the divider down the middle, so that's why a 40, the nice thing about a 40 breeder is it's the biggest tank that I'm aware of that you can get that's regularly manufactured well, mass manufactured that doesn't have a brace across the middle. So, but I love the 60 breeder. As far as a, a four foot tank, I like it. I like a 75. They're both great, but the 60s are nice because less, less height means less headroom and you can probably get three stacked up if you have a tall enough ceiling as opposed to just two in a 75 or something like that. But yeah, I, they're not actually a new tank. They're just a tank that was discontinued and is now, for some reason, started up again. And yeah, I do like them a lot. Okay, where am I at? What's my name? Who's my daddy? Alex Rupko. Hello, Dan. Did you have a chance to watch a video of my fish for sale? About to place a hefty order from you as well. Well, thank you so much, Alex. And no, I've been absolutely swamped. So I lost two days because I had to drive down to Denver, arrange for uh, the import and stuff, and then it actually get the import and drive it back and unload it and care for the fish. And right now, a lot of my time is being sucked up caring for the new fish because they, a lot of them did not arrive in good shape. And so they take a lot of attention at this stage. If I can get them through this week and... Most of them have started eating okay, but some of them are so thin that I'm having trouble getting food down them. They're having trouble keeping it down, so I've got to work with them. So it's just it's just a time suck. So I'm very interested in working with you. There's a couple other hobbyists <clears throat> who've reached out that have fish available as well that I need to circle back to, but right now my priority just has to be caring for this, in, this import. So typically my work week is like this. Thursday and Friday, we don't send many fish out. We don't send any fish Fridays, and we try not to send fish out on Thursdays. The reason is if, if, if they get delayed and they don't arrive on Friday, then they get held at the warehouse until Monday. And so the fish are sitting over the weekend, you know, in bags and boxes, not great. So Thursday and Friday, generally, we don't have the, the normal... Uh, controlled chaos of the fish shipping cycle. So that's the day I generally can sit down and get to my emails and, and circle back to things. But when I lose a couple days, because I have to head out of town or 
something like that, you know, I, I fall behind. So that's all it is, Alex. I'm interested. I will look and get back to you. It's just finding the time. But thanks for reaching out. In, in anyone else that's a hobbyist who's reached out and we've gone back and forth a bit and then I fell off the face of the earth, uh, tomorrow and the next day are kind of when I, I plan to circle back, depending on how much time uh, I have to spend caring for these fish. Adrian, I'm going to the All Aquarium Catfish Convention in October. Oh, that sounds amazing. It will be my first convention. I'm really excited to listen to some lectures and see cool fish. What's your favorite part of aqua conventions, aquarium conventions? My favorite part is learning. When I go to a convention, and the folks that saw me at the Triple Crown can attest to this, I spend all my time, if there's a lecture or a presentation or someplace I might learn something, I'm there. That's what I want to do. It's an opportunity for me to rub shoulders with people that are much more expert than myself and learn new stuff. And I try to do it at other times too. So for example, um, I like to share meals with people that I can learn from. So I had a chance to have lunch with Marcel, which was awesome. Learned a lot about him and how he keeps fishing things. I got to share lunch with uh, the Newmans. Lee Newman is the uh, one of the curators at the uh, Vancouver Aquarium. He and his wife were there and we uh, my fish godfather is good for a good friend of his and so we kind of hadn't actually it was funny so i see a fish nerd at the restaurant waiting for a table and so i'm like hey you look like a fish nerd what are you into and he's like well i i right now i'm into satan operca I'm like satan operca that's kind of that's that's interesting because i didn't recognize lee I, I saw lee back when i was a kid but i hadn't seen him forever and he told me he's into that. And I was like, oh, yeah, Cichlid News just had a great article on Satan Perka. It was one of the best articles I've read in a long time. And he's like, oh, that's good. I wrote that article. And I was like, Lee? <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm Dan. I'm the kid that used to hang around with Jim Forche. And he's like, Jim, yeah, yeah. And so we, we had lunch together. So stuff like that is cool, especially when it's with someone like Lee who uh, answered a lot of questions. I learned a ton about South American cichlids from him. And now I've got a guy that when I get Satanoperca in, they're often not identified correctly and he'll be willing if I can send him some pictures and stuff to take a look and give me, uh, give me an identification. So things like that are my favorite. Now I did really enjoy at the Triple Crown meeting the fish fam, talking with folks and stuff, but I tended to only do that kind of after hours when there weren't lectures and things. I wasn't as into the auctions. I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to buy anything, and I wasn't as into. You know, I didn't go on any of the like whiskey tours or that kind of stuff. Uh, I just did the presentations, and when I wasn't there, I was you know getting to know the fish fam folks. So, well, the other thing I like doing is while I'm there, I, I also am looking for hobbyists that are breeding fish. I'm looking for new sources I can uh, get fish from. I'm trying to do anything I can to forward the business while I'm there as far as an opportunity to source new things. In fact, there's a gentleman that I met, Michael Wolf, are you listening, that breeds electric blue uh, Jack Dempsey's. 
but I have a heck of a time finding good electric blue jack Dempsey's. That's why you haven't seen them available for a long time. So Michael, Michael Wolf, Michael DeWolf, I think. If you're listening, um, I don't, um, I don't think I got your contact information, but I know you have mine. So if you wouldn't mind sending us an email, hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. I'm interested in, in getting some of those electric blue Jack, Jack Dempsey's from you if you have any. But A-Train, you're gonna love it. Like there's, they're awesome. I love the conventions a lot. I miss them. I don't get to go to nearly as many. When you're in Los Angeles, there's lots of fish events happening around you. And they're easier to get to. <laughs> All right, hang on. Brian is the next one I can see because chat jumped. In fact, I totally missed Danny B's super chat. Thank you, Danny B. Always appreciated. Never required, but money is appreciated. And killer kitty. Not curl kitty. Killer kitty punching, punching me in the face with the fox cat. Throwing down five bucks. Thank you so much for your super chat. Much appreciated. Brian Lanawick says, Curious, with auto water changes every couple of hours in the new system, what happens regarding massive storms? Uh, does that impact the H2O quality in the moment? And how is it managed? It's so far, and we've been through some big rainstorms and stuff, so far the only impact seems to be fine sediment gets washed into the stream, and it's so fine it gets through some of the filters and the, the tanks look a little cloudy until, until after the storm, when the stream clears again. But our water is so hard that basically there's a couple things. There's a big limestone canyon that the water comes down, gets a lot of hardness. And then there's a couple big limestone aquifers that come in close to us, as far as I understand, talking with the folks at you know, the state engineer's office and all that. So the water is so hard that even when we get a lot of rain, the, the change doesn't seem to be sudden enough to, uh, to impact the fish. We haven't noticed yet any issues from that. But if we did, then during a... Well, we're in Wyoming, too. It's very dry here. <laughs> we get some rain sometimes, but it's not like most places where you get so much rain that it alters things that much. We're in the dry west. We're in a John Wayne movie. <laughs> but if it did, if we ever did see that, then during a heavy rainstorm, we'd just slow down the flow from the creek or something like that. Or if it got real bad, just turn off the flow for a day until the rain stops. Something like that. Those are all options. But so far, haven't seen that. Hasty 10, slow down, Hasty. It's all right. Do you expect to bring in more Irubesco puffers? The four I have are all males. I don't think I'll bring that fish in again. And the reason is, is they were so mean to each other. I can't keep them in groups and tanks. And it doesn't make sense to keep like one or two or three in a tank. And right now I'm not going to be putting up like little divider systems and stuff like that. So for the moment, I don't have any plans to bring more in. They didn't seem to be a good candidate based on their kind of uh, vicious behavior. JTI Aquatics, do you still think your mini ranger plecos are indeed mini ranger plecos? You guys rock. I don't know. I Ours are... 
So this is my first time with that fish, which makes it difficult to tell. Ours are getting to the point where if they grow much bigger, then they won't be mini ranger plecos. They're, they're getting just big enough, I think. So we'll have to see. However, it did take them a long time to get that big. So I think it's still possible. I don't know enough about that fish yet. But if they grow much bigger than they are now, then they're probably not the minis. Has anyone, anyone here that has got the ranger plecos from us that we hope are mini ranger plecos but don't know for sure? <laughs> Do you have any thoughts? Has anyone got any that have grown big enough that it's obviously not mini? Until that happens, I'm not sure how else to be sure. Danny B, your sale prices are excellent. How about spread them out a bit? Instead of $10 off one species, $3 off the main ones you want, and $2 off other species will bite. No, we, we don't really do sales, Danny B. I don't like creating FOMO. The one, the only reason that we have fish on sale right now is because we've decided not to keep any fish here that can survive in cooler temperatures. We don't want to risk the possibility of a fish getting loose in our local waterway and becoming uh, an invasive species. And we have all kinds of precautions so that that probably can't happen, but it's still a nightmare that keeps me up at night. So I just decided I want to sleep. <laughs> so we're not going to do it. So when we made that decision, we already had all these rice fish. And so we decided, all right, let's just clear them out. So that's why we're clearing them out. Um, but we don't really do sales. This is the first sale we've had probably in a couple of years. And the reason is, is I don't like, with, with animals, what I feel like should happen is someone should see an animal they like or read about an animal they like or somehow find out about an animal and be like, I think I would like that. Then do a bunch of research, figure out what this animal needs, then take the time to set up the appropriate habitat, get everything ready, and then get the animal. That's what I think a responsible approach is. What I think happens with sales is you put an animal on sale and people are looking, they're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, and it's on sale, I better get it now. So ready or not, there's some pressure to buy the animal, even if they haven't researched it, even if they don't know for sure what it needs, even if they don't know for sure, um, even if they don't have a habitat set up for it. Um, and I've been guilty of that a time or two over my career of, as a fish keeper. And when I've done that, sometimes it hasn't worked out at all. And I've killed animals because I was irresponsible. So. I just don't want to create an impetus for anyone to do that. I don't want to create FOMO, fear of missing out. So we don't do sales. What we try to do is there's a specific markup that we have to do in order to stay in business. We, we collect all this data. We, we have financial models. We, we know what we have to do in order to stay in business. So how we do this is literally we buy the fish. We get them through quarantine and stuff, and then we mark them up, whatever that amount is, 
and that decides the price. It's, it's very pragmatic. We know we have to do a certain markup or we will go out of business. And our markup is uh, probably, I don't know if it's higher, but I think it might be higher than some folks. I think some of, I think often our fish are probably the more expensive ones, but it's what we have to do because of how we operate. The, the system that we're using here is very expensive. There's a lot of expendables to keep it up. There's costs to keeping the system going. There's a lot of costs in time and labor, just preparing fish for shipping and shipping fish the way we do it. There's a lot of costs in time and labor in going through our quarantine process and medication process as needed. So we know what those costs are and we just price the fish accordingly and that's the price. Sales, again, the only reason we did this is we're trying to clear some fish that, that are keeping me up at night. <laughs> I guess is the way to put it. And I, I understand that, you know, there's marketing and there's a business to run and money has to be made or the business goes out of business and then our mission is not completed. And I understand sales help a lot of businesses. I know a lot of businesses that the reason, the way they get sales is they give a ton of 15% discounts or all kinds of buy now and get a discount. Like that's how they get sales. What we're trying to do is be the tortoise not the hare. What we're trying to do is help people be responsible fish keepers, get them fish that will live, and when they see the difference, they'll be willing to pay more because of the experience and the end result. So that's our entire business model. So we don't do sales for that reason. Un unless there's a real need, like, yeah, we should clear these out. Okay, it's 8.17. I think we're about ready to do the giveaway. There's 287 folks here. Now that I said that, let's wait for it. Will it drop? It usually does. Let's see. It usually does it like instantly. No, it's still 287. Not bad. Thanks for sticking around. 288. It went up this time. <laughs> 289. Hell has frozen over. Two ninety-two. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and do the giveaway. Hopefully that wasn't just a bunch of folks like jumping on with second accounts to get another uh, ticket in the raffle. <laughs> but the winner of a group of, I think six, Hengali, the uh, copper rasbora, also called the glow light rasbora because they do glow. Great little peaceful nano fish. The winner of a group of those is, oh, <laughs> Wrong button. This button. Chris Aquazone. Chris is Aquazone. Thank you so much for playing. Thanks for being a member. Appreciate that. And you have won. So you have two minutes to chime in, Chris is Aquazone. And let us know you're here. Because the only rule is you do have to be present to win. And after two minutes, if you have not chimed in, yep, you just did. You won. Congrats. So if you would send an email to hello at dancefish.com. H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. We need your first name, your last name, and your mailing address. Please send that in the email, even if we already have it somewhere. It's much nicer when we don't have to dig through a bunch of old orders to try to find it. Uh, so send us your first name, last name, and your mailing address, 
and uh, Johnny will get with you and set the shipment date with you. And congratulations, I think you're going to really like that fish. I'm fully aware that it's talked about being responsible and da da da, and then I do a giveaway. I get it, but hopefully the tone of the live stream has been what it is long enough that people know that uh, they need to be prepared for fish, even if we're giving them away. But that, that does always kind of, I'm like, you talk about that a lot, and then you go give away fish. Isn't that like encouraging people to get a fish, even if they're not quite ready for it? I don't know. I got confidence in you guys. <laughs> All things fish. The time is now 9.05 <laughs> Central Standard Time. All right. That's, that's two... Two times Central Standard Time has, has asserted itself today. Thanks, Ginger and All Things Fish. Mark your calendar for next year. ACA and Cataclysm are teaming up. Oh, that sounds cool. I would love it if the Killy folks and the Liber folks and the uh, Rainbow folks did it again with the ACA as well. I don't know if that'll happen or not. I think it helps, though. A lot of those clubs just need more more support it's it's they're it's hard for them to pull off an event by themselves so it makes sense to me but people get a little territorial about things sometimes you never know what's gonna happen okay scrolling up because we've got nine more minutes of this we're gonna take advantage of all nine and we dropped to 261 folks 257 yeah once the drying's over i get it i get it easy come easy go new mexico aquatics hello little bobby are you familiar with bardalis <laughs> chapalicthes okay i'm guessing that's going to be a good yid good day -id. and i think i might be getting some of those soon from someone who's going to sponsor a giveaway yeah i'm familiar with that fish Thoughts, I have a large colony of them breeding. That's awesome. So I haven't kept that fish before. So I I, I don't have, it's, it's this. I don't have a lot I can say about it. I think that's awesome that you're breeding them. But from what I understand, because there's someone who is uh, gonna send me some for a giveaway, I have to get back to that person too after this crazy week. One of the things we talked about is like, well, I run my system at like 79 degrees. Is, are they going to be okay? And, it, and then I looked at their natural history. I went to the Gudead Working Group's webpage. And it looks like in their natural range, the water can be in the mid to upper 70s. So 79 degrees should be okay. So I determined it's probably okay to bring them in and, and use them for a giveaway. But that's all I know about them. Because I was looking in them, into them recently because there's a very generous... Uh, member of the community who has some that they would like to donate. Paul Soltero, those electric blue jack Dempseys have a genetic issue that's tied to the blue color. Yes. So if you breed two blue jack Dempseys together, it's a lethal gene. What you have to do is breed the blue with a normal that's heterozygous for blue, and then you will get viable blue electric blue jack Dempsey's and that's why they're always going to be a, a slightly expensive fish because they're not like normal fish where you put two together and you get a spawn and you can sell the whole spawn as the parents you put these together you only get a small portion of them that uh, that turn out to be blue because you're you're mating 
heterozygous together. Is it two heterozygous fish you have to breed together? No, I think you could do two heterozygous, two hets or one het with a uh, double allele blue, I believe. All things fish. Who remembers the Salamicano cichlids? <laughs> yep, that might have been the last one. Yeah, I did have a sale on Mangano cichlids when I ordered, was it a hundred? I can't remember how many I ordered. A big group of electric blue, was it Rams or electric blue Acara? One of those. And what I ended up with was a whole bunch of Mangano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did everything I could to sell those. I love Mangano, don't get me wrong, but they weren't the fish for me. But they're beautiful fish. Chonsworth, any recommendations for a loach or something that likes to spend time in between and under rocks? Wondering if there was something fun for the bottom of a tank with South American cichlids. Well, coolie loaches love being under rocks and hiding, but you probably never see them. And they're probably small enough. I don't know what species of South American cichlid you're talking about. If we're talking about some of the epistos, maybe they would be okay once the coolies are full grown. If they're like one of the more giant species. I think sumo loaches like to do that, but again, they're kind of long and slender. I mean, pretty much all the loaches do that, botillas and such. So maybe something as simple as, as a yo-yo loach. Although they get real comfortable and they'll be out, but they will go under rocks and stuff sometimes. Okay, I'm trying to think of a sizable loach because I don't know what size fish these are. It likes to hide. I'd probably go with zebra loaches. They hide, they also come out sometimes, but they, they will hang out under wood and stuff. I don't know if they're big enough, but I really like zebra loaches. I think they have great personalities. They don't get too big, maybe around, is it three inches, four inches, something like that. So it's not like a clown loach that could bust your tank. And I like the color and pattern, so that's the one I'm going to go with. But there's lots of options. Just make sure it's peaceful. I stay away from, like, any of the tiger loaches. Things like skunk loaches, blueberry loaches. Well, those are color dyed, aren't they? But red tail loaches, things that are, you know, vicious. J-T-I-A. Here's an answer to the Mini Ranger Replecos. JTI Aquatics, I got one of the Mini Ranger Replecos from you and it is getting thick really fast. It's about two and a half inches. Yeah, and that's about, that's about as big as they should get, right? Mini Ranger Pleco, or do they get to three? Let's see here. If I can find this real quick. Uh, this website says 1.5 inches. This one says 2 inches. This one says 1.5 inches. Like, who knows for sure? Ranger Pleco size. Okay, let's try Ranger Pleco, Mini Ranger Pleco Planet Catfish. And if we can find it. Or info.
Um, yeah, one more thing here and then we'll move on. Yeah, this is just like chatting a thread. Yeah, not sure. I couldn't find that real quickly, but I can't remember what their max size is. I thought it was around two to two and a half inches. Orange cones, I agree with the sales thing. That happened a lot with an animal shelter I volunteered at. They would put the dogs there the longest at half price, brought the wrong new owners. Yeah. Danny B, perfect answer to my sale question. Thank you. I agree. I see the difference. And no shade on other companies that do sales. Everyone operates differently. Like, of course, if you're in business, you're going to do sales. That's the normal thing to do. I just try to do it different. Okay, we have two minutes, so maybe I can get to one more here. Scrolling up here to look for one, and here it is. Big shrimpin'. Not shrimping. Shrimpin'. Do you ever figure out what's going on with the purple sail fins? No, I haven't done the experiments because I just, I haven't had time. Again, I lost a couple days having to go pick up and care for this import. They're fine in the aquariums. I haven't done the, taken the time to like do the testing to figure out if I can find an effective way to ship them. That's going to take me a few days and I'll do it as soon as I can. That's all I can promise. Mitchell Broom. Hey, Mitchell, good to see you. The problem I ran into with the Triple Crown was there was too much interesting, yeah, talks going on at the same time. There were so many interesting talks, absolutely, which is the best problem. When you go to an event and there's, you have the rainbows, you have the killies, you have the live bears, you have the uh, cichlids, and often there were three talks all at once and you, you had to pick one. So... Something that was fun was during meals or after talking to someone that went to a different talk and being like, okay, what did you learn? What did they talk about? Give me the, give me the deets. <laughs> it's like after a first date. Ooh, tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, the Triple Crown was an amazing event, especially if you were wanting to learn. It was awesome. I mean, if you wanted to socialize and stuff, people had a great time with that too. There was a lot going on. Um, Tamara Cerise, can you please give some information on the rummy nose rasbora? It's not a fish I've seen a lot about. The main thing about the rummy nose rasbora is it is uh, endemic to Lake, I think it's Inlay, is that right? Rummy nose rasbora lake inlay? Let's see. Yeah. So this fish is endemic to Lake Inlay. Lake Inlay is. Yeah, Lake Inlay in Myanmar. Okay. Lake Inlay has some interesting uh, features. It's not a soft water lake. So first of all, they like hard alkaline water. So that's something to keep in mind. In fact, I found them somewhat difficult to keep in soft water. They take a lot more work to get adjusted anyway. So, and they don't like it too hot either. I wouldn't keep them much above the 79 degrees I'm keeping them at. I mean, I, I've seen them successful in the low 80s with plenty of clean, if the water's clean and there's a lot of oxygen and things. But honestly, I think they'd be happier in the low to mid 70s. So that's, that's the basic things, I think, to keep them happy. Other than that, they act a lot like most other rasboras, which is very similar to like a tetra or something. Active fish, 
kind of shoals and schools around, easy to feed, outgoing in a group. So I, I like that fish a lot. My, my biggest recommendation would be to be to do something like this. Uh, lake, lake, and jump into the water parameters of Lake Inlay. And often you can actually find for a lot of these lakes, you can find scholarly studies where people have gone and tested water chemistry, water temperature at different times throughout the year, at different levels of the lake. And you can learn a lot about what your fish would want. Lake Inlay is a pretty shallow lake and it's got a lot of plants in it. There's a lot of information on Lake Inlay. So before you got the rummy nose rasbora i would suggest research lake inlay first so you can learn about their habitat but they're not they're not a difficult fish in my experience provided they're not too hot and uh, they get nice hard alkaline water john snow radio still loving our colettis yeah those coletti tetras are awesome i'm glad you got some congrats and who knows when i can find more but if i do i'll bring more in because they're amazing it's 8.32. We got to shut this thing down. Thanks for being here, everybody. We still have 193 folks here. That's awesome. 194, it actually went up. <laughs> that never happens. Oh, yeah, back down. Okay, that, that's about right. So I want to close this out by thanking my moderators for doing what they do every week. Thank you. Thanking everyone that threw money at us, either by becoming members, gifting memberships, or giving super chats. Just thanks for the some financial support. We are a new company. We're a startup. We're in a treacherous phase of growth and scaling right now, and so every penny really does help. And thanks to everyone who had questions and comments and was active in the stream, but also thank you to the lurkers. Hail the lurker nation, I'm with ya. If you're watching on the replay, hello from the past, and if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening, and thanks to Michael Melia for making that happen. We will be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely hope you have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.